0: Welcome to Bite Size Battles. It's a sad truth that some people can take religions that call for peace and kindness on earth and warp them into something altogether more violent. It comes back again to this very idea of competition, that my religion, my God, is greater than yours. So great in fact that I'll prove it with the sharpness of my sword. The many wars of religion that history has seen have been some of the most bitter of all. Two sides fervently believing that they're the ones in the right and that they will fall foul of the divine if they fail often means that there is very little room for compromise, quarter or ultimately peace. Even today, some of the most intractable conflicts ultimately stem from two or more sets of religious rivalry. And in some cases, it's even the gods themselves who demand that their people go to war. Welcome to Why We Fight, Religion. Over millennia, ancient religions have thrown up countless gods associated with war. Some of the most famous being the Roman Mars, the Greek Ares, and the Norse Odin. They could all be called upon in conflict and battle to help savage their opponents. But the gods of the Aztecs demanded war. Long before Hernán Cortés arrived on the shores of what's now Mexico in 1519, the Aztec Empire routinely went to war to satisfy the bloodlust of their gods, like Huitzilopochtli. They needed a regular supply of captives who would be sacrificed atop their temples fail and the Aztecs believed that the gods would go mad with rage and do all sorts of terrible things to them like withhold the rain or even set fire to the capital Tenochtitlan. So out to war they would go, beating down enemies and taking thousands prisoner who were led straight to the major temples. The victims were strapped to a sacrificial stone and the priests. Would use obsidian blades to cut out the still beating hearts and raise them to the sky in offering. Sometimes the poor people were even burned alive first, but not so much that they had died. It was important that the heart was still beating. Religion then was one of the main driving forces behind Aztec warfare and drove the Aztecs to dominate 80,000 square miles of Mesoamerica. And of course, when Cortes did show up and begin his conquest, it was partly out of his greed for gold, but also partly his Christian horror at the human sacrifice which he saw around him. The Aztec heathens needed to be crushed and the survivors converted to save their souls. Tragically for the Aztecs, smallpox and Spanish gunpowder wiped out so many that there weren't many left to convert. It's estimated that up to 8 million Aztecs died from smallpox in just one year following Cortes' arrival, and by 1578 the number of dead had risen to 25 million. Just over 200 years before Cortes annihilated the Aztecs, probably the most famous religious war of all time began in earnest. The mighty clash of Christianity and Islam, known of course, the Crusades. Beginning in 1095, Christian armies from Europe marched into the Holy Land of the Levant in a bid to reconquer the region from Muslim expansion, which had been ceaseless since the 7th century. Muslim conquests had been an extraordinary military expansion, and when they began to bear down on Jerusalem in the 1090s, the Catholic Pope Urban II called for Christendom to unite and repel them. He even raised St. Augustine's principle of bellum justum, or just war, to bellum sacrum, holy war. Islam has the concept of jihad, meaning struggle, and now jihad and bellum sacrum were going to butt heads in a big way. For 400 years, the Christian crusaders fought a seesaw war with Muslim Saracens, and it was all about religion. There were egos and treasure involved, but make no mistake, this was a vicious clash of religious-driven civilization. Ultimately, we know that the Muslims won the contest, and eventually the Ottoman Empire would rule the region and press into Europe itself. It was to be Polish-winged hussars riding to the aid of their Austrian brothers-in-arms at Vienna in 1683, who finally checked the Ottoman advance. For the Ottomans, Islam had always remained their primary driving force and for the Europeans it wasn't just their territory they were fighting for. Christianity itself had to be protected. The earlier Crusades also saw the Spanish Reconquista, in which the Muslim Moors were driven out of the Iberian Peninsula. And Christian armies even went to war with Slavic Pagans in Poland and the Baltic regions. It was all in the name of Christ. Whole military religious orders sprang from these contests, like the famous Knights Templar, Hospitallers and the Teutonic Knights. For them and their Muslim opponents, religion was the primary motivator of their warfare-centred lives. And if religion versus religion wasn't enough, once the great religions began to split along theological and sectarian lines, there were now whole new things worth fighting for. The splits between Catholic and Protestant Christianity and between Sunni and Shia Islam have meant countless conflicts and battles. Even within nations, it has meant the misery of persecution and execution. Once Henry VIII broke from the Catholic Church to create the Anglican Church of England, it began a whole series of internecine religious conflict. Henry had Catholics executed, his daughter Mary I had Protestants executed, and after her death, Henry's other daughter, Elizabeth I, executed Catholics again. My neck's just itching at the thought of it all. The Thirty Years' War from 1618 to forty eight was fought across Europe and erupted largely because the Holy Roman Emperor Ferdinand II tried to impose Catholicism on his people. Not happy about that, an alliance of Protestant states declared war and the continent became split down religious lines. Some 8 million people died because of it. The divisions between Shia and Sunni Islam still rumble now and create tensions both within and between several Middle Eastern countries. The Lebanese civil war sparked in 1975, primarily because tensions between Shia and Sunni Muslims overspilled. And today, Sunni Saudi Arabia stares darkly across the Persian Gulf at its fundamentalist Shia neighbour, Iran. And that's to say nothing of the intractable Israel-Palestine conflict which still deeply troubles the region today. Both Jewish Israelis and Muslim Palestinians have ancient claims to the land of Israel and the problem is made even worse by the fact that Jerusalem is such a holy place for both religions as well as Christianity. This hotbed of religious rivalry has caused eight wars, two intifadas or Palestinian uprisings and a host of other armed border conflicts since Israel's creation in 1948. There are tentative signs of peace, but there have been many before, and most Arab nations still don't even recognise Israel's existence. Some, like Iran, openly call for its destruction, simply because it's Jewish in a land that to them should be Muslim. It looks set to be a major source of conflict for years to come. The Northern Irish Troubles of the 1960s to 90s the breakup of Yugoslavia, the wars of Shinto versus Buddhism in 6th century Japan, inter-ethnic violence in modern-day Nigeria, and battles between Hinduism and Islam in the Indian subcontinent for hundreds of years. Religion, it seems, will remain a catalyzing influence for human conflict for as long as humans exist to believe. I once heard someone say that religion has a lot to answer for. I responded that I think humans have a lot to answer for. Most religions of the world do not call for violence and war. Indeed, most call for the exact opposite. They call for good, love, kindness and peace. It's humans, with all our need to be right and to subdue and to compete, who pervert religion for our own ends so I don't want this episode to inspire anti-religious sentiment, but rather to inspire those who do have faith to remember what has been done in the name of religion so we might avoid it again in the future. And I hasten to add that in science, medicine, charity and care, many religions have also done much good in the world. I'll leave you to debate the balance of payments. Join us next time for men and women rising up for rather more secular beliefs in our next episode on revolution and ideology. Thanks for listening. See you then.